When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if you're someone who wants like a big category because you're like really inspired and you want a maximum flexibility and ideas from all over the place, handhelds is really great. If you're someone who's like, give it to me straight. Tell me what to do. I don't like cooking. I don't like thinking about it. I'm not perusing food media all the time. I do think that if it's helpful, you can kind of break down handhelds into like sandwiches or burgers and sandwiches or tacos and burgers you know, you can kind of slice it and dice it depending on what your family likes. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. One of our goals with Didn't I Just Feed You has always been to make feeding your families easier, regardless of what your family structure is, or if you even like cooking. <laughs> uh, one of the ways that we're able to do that ourselves is with meal formulas that are infinitely riffable. So today we're walking you through five that we think every busy home cook needs to know. I love this. I feel like this is a long overdue episode, Megan. But you know, there's that idea that experts can be terrible teachers, right? <laughs> like, no, there's not so us. much stuff that we're just, <laughs> not us, <laughs> you know, but that the, there's so much stuff that we automate and don't actually think through as we become expert at something that a beginner hasn't automated and you like don't even realize it. So you're like, oh yeah, I guess it didn't occur to me <laughs> that I should say, one, pull out the knife, two, get a cutting board, you know, like really breaking down the process. So I feel like it's going to be really fun and I'm hoping super helpful for us to really like break down the muscle memory of cooking these kinds of meals that really get us through our busiest and most stressful times. We just know it intuitively, right? Yes. I love when we do these kinds of episodes more. I mean, not that we've done this particular type of episode, but I think of like when we we built a pot of soup together. We talked yes. about braising together okay. or like pie. It's also interesting to learn. Like there are some steps that neither of us skip, but then we might like do things slightly different just based on like our family preferences or our experience or what we have on hand. So I think this is one of those ways that we, we both like cook from the hip or like cook without a recipe but we don't think about it anymore because we've figured out what the formula is that works best for us. And so we can just like pull ingredients from the fridge, from the pantry and make a meal. Do you find yourself look like referencing formulas or thinking about it? Or you're just like, I'm going to do a bowl meal. I know that I already like have enough to hit all the marks of what a bowl meal needs to be to satisfy my family. It really depends. I think that's a great question. I like working from recipes because as someone who develops recipes, I like seeing what other people are doing. Um, 
And I, it's really only when I'm in the weeds big time that I'm really like, I don't even care, you know, just like rice and chicken in a bowl and cucumbers, like, here you go. So it's really when I'm overwhelmed most that I will rely just on the formula and I'll just build with what I have on hand. Another time that this happens to me, but it's usually because I'm in the weeds again, is that when I haven't had time to go food shopping. Mm -hmm. That's another time where I'm like, not worried about a recipe, not worried about experimenting, not worried about like, oh, this is curious, you know, and I'm just like, what do I have? Because I need to use it up. And like, that's all that's available. So what formula if I have some protein and I have rice? Oh, I can make a bowl meal. Let's do that. Okay, rice, chicken, sauce, veg, and then I'll use what I have on hand. Wait, now I'm curious, how many nights a week would you say you cook from recipes? It really depends what season I'm in. I would say three quarters of the time, but like I'm not okay. also using the recipe exactly necessarily. No, I know. I it think depends what on we're... the kind of recipe. But I'm perusing food media, uh, food social media. Let's be real. Every, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so it's, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's good. Oh, I've never made, uh, you know, kebabs that way. Oh, like, Oh, adding that to my, you know, braised beans or whatever it is. I'm constantly looking at food media and constantly taking inspiration. And so usually if there's something that catches me, I'm either because, oh, I haven't had that. That's such a good idea. Or that's a twist on the way I normally do it. So then I'll mark it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like that. Like I'll put it as a reference in my meal plan. And then I usually pull it up to have it as reference. Sometimes. If it's something like I've never done before, like Eric Kim's gochujang spaghetti or something like, like I am following that recipe, but it's Megan's meat sauce. Well, like I have a way that I make meat sauce, but there was something about the way you did it that I was like, oh, that's cool. So I'll look at the recipe again and I'll be like, oh, she adds this in this step. Okay, like fine. And then I'm kind of combining my own thing in the recipe. But I would say that I'm pulling up recipes a good chunk of the time that I'm cooking. Cool. Because I think of you as someone who's like spontaneous and cooks from the hip a lot. That number surprises me, but I don't think it's bad. And I really want to circle back to you saying like having formulas saves you when you haven't planned or you're totally. trying to use up groceries. So so that's like a lot of the the inspiration behind this episode is like helping our listeners be inspired by what they already have on hand and also feel confident in cooking without a recipe, sort of the way that you cook from a recipe. Like I am, I probably use recipes like a third of the time. And unless it's a baking recipe, very rare, rarely follow a recipe exactly. I can do the same thing, like scan it and be like, oh, okay, the thing I really wanted to take away from this recipe is like the crispy rice technique. And so I'm going to do that exactly. But everything else, like I might make the sauce a little bit differently or cook the salmon a little bit differently, but it's all going to come together and my family's going to like it. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of it is about inspiration. Yes. Before we even talk about what the formulas are, what the meal formulas are, I want to make sure that everybody knows that they're invited to the very best place on the internet, our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners community. Free members get direct access to us as well as our busy hive mind 
hive mind of busy home cooks, plus access to our recipe archives, shopping guides, and helpful checklists. Our supporting community is another way that you can support Didn't I Just Feed You financially, which helps us put out all these free public episodes for everyone. And you can also, when you join, get access to our ad-free stream. That's right. Every single episode of Didn't I Just Feed You, no ads. And also get two bonus episodes each month. Join us in a live Q&A session every other month and get some uncut gems too, which are fun bloopers, outtakes, extended conversations. Find out more about becoming a member of our community at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. Okay. Can we tease a little bit what the formulas are and then deep dive into each of them? Yes. But I'm going to say something because you said deep dive. Spoiler alert. Every one of these formulas, I think everyone, we're going to go through it we have an actual standalone episode for. <laughs> so this is no, like... Oh, really? You, yeah, you're right. You're right. So we are going to like give the overview and we're going to keep it nice and tight and to the point. And then if there's anything where you're like, wait, I don't fully understand or like, I'm not sure, we are going to refer you back to the episode. And in our show notes, which will be in your podcast player or on our website, we're going to have the links to all of the episodes that we reference, so that it's really easy to hop around and listen to them. Because, you know, this is like basically five episodes in one, and that would take hours, you guys, the way we talk. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so we're going to like, we're going to deep dive in a shallow way. We're going to deep dive in shallow waters. Okay, fair, fair. Okay, so there are the five formulas that we think are the most useful. One pot pasta, sheet pan meals, bowl meals, handhelds, (laughs) and super salads. Super salads. I don't know that. I just love that. I want to start with handhelds because I think that, you know, we kind of labored over what to call this. And we wanted there to be a consistency, like sheet pan tells you how you cook it. One pot pasta tells you how you cook it. Handheld doesn't tell you how you cook it, but you're kind of not cooking. So I wonder if handhelds made people pause or if it trips anyone up and if we should start there. Let's go. Okay. When you say handhelds, I immediately think of two things, sandwiches and tacos. That's funny. I think of sandwiches and burgers. Ooh, okay. Because I think of burgers and sandwiches being a category, but tacos totally works too. And this is why I think we ended up calling it handhelds because we actually went through this process together when we were brainstorming for this episode, right? So between buns, wrapped up, stuffed, (laughs) tortillas, pitas, rolls, breads, pretty much, and it doesn't always have to be cooked or not cooked because quesadillas are handhelds and those are cooked. You apply heat. Sandwiches are handhelds and they don't necessarily. Some sandwiches you apply heat, some you don't. So this is a pretty broad category. It is. It seems like it. But then if you have to break it down into a formula, it's not that broad. It's like what you said. The basis is some sort of bread or a wrap, a carbohydrate that you can hold stuff in. And then it 
includes a protein. Maybe that protein is a patty. Maybe it's a chicken breast. But also maybe it's ground beef that's cooked sloppy joe style and it's crumbled or it's kofta style or kebab style. And then usually there's a veggie component to it and then something like a sauce or fresh herbs to finish it up. Totally. That applies to tacos, burgers, sloppy joes, pita pockets, all of those. So like it does yeah. fit the formula, the it idea does. of formulas. Yeah. I do think though, in ter- for some people, we talked about this when we talked, we did a live back in August on templates. Yeah. Like categories of meals so that you can zhuzh up your meal plan template if you're tired of like Taco Tuesday and Pasta Monday every single week, right? Because those are really popular ones. And we talked about this too, that, you know, how helpful a tool is depends on what you're trying to solve and how you approach things. So if you're someone who wants like a big category because you're like really inspired and you want a maximum flexibility and ideas from all over the place, handhelds is really great. If you're someone who's like, give it to me straight, like I just tell me what to do. Like I don't like cooking. I don't like thinking about it. I'm not perusing food media all the time. I do think that if it's helpful, you can kind of break down handhelds into like sandwiches or burgers and sandwiches or tacos and burgers. You know, you can kind of slice it and dice it depending on what your family likes. Yes. Can we give a couple examples? I think of your... Thai chicken burgers as a great example of handhelds for didn't I just feed you listeners because it really does have everything has that pickled carrot little slaw that goes on top it's making a patty a burger style patty without it just being like ground beef and it's a burger again and there's like a really good sauce on it so it hits all the components of what we're talking about here for handhelds what would you also say is a another example of handhelds in the Didn't I Just Feed You way. Well, I love the idea of getting people to do sandwiches for dinner because sandwiches can be so delicious and so hearty. And yes, like a meatball hero, like the warm sandwiches people go to. But I just like our big hero sandwich. You know, it's a Mm. no-cook dinner that's so great. You get some really great bread and then deli meat and a good spread. And it's just really simple and easy and satisfying. Yes. Okay. What about in between that is I can't, I forgot this was in our archive. The, like a panini sandwich. These ones are make ahead pizza paninis. And I think this idea was that you could build them in advance and then just panini press them as everyone comes home. Like it's good for a night uh, when there's like soccer practice and school orientation and all of that. And it includes like those little lunchbox peppers on it. And then everything gets dipped in a pizza sauce. Those are so mm, good. And yummy. I just think paninis are highly underrated. I agree with you. One of the things that I like about handhelds too, you mentioned a bunch of different kinds of proteins. You mentioned, I think, cutlets, sliced meat, meatballs, crumbled ground beef. We didn't talk about pulled meat, but that's another one. So you can have pulled meat like barbecue chicken sandwiches or carnitas, pulled pork go into your tacos or quesadillas. But one of the things that I really like about handhelds is that they tend to be easy. They tend to be easy to prep ahead. So you can like make the meat on one day, whether in your Instant Pot or your slow cooker, 
or meatballs, and then assemble night of. So they're really great for prepping ahead. They are also great when you are really looking to cook once, eat twice, because you can make, you can prep carnitas in the Instant Pot and then use them for tacos one night and use them for something else another night. And it doesn't have to be another handheld. It can be a bowl meal. It can be something else. So I think handhelds are really a great way to build in some flexibility and easy cook once, eat twice meal prep style cooking into your week. Mm. I love that you called that out because I do think of all of these formulas as being easy, but some of them are better for last minute cooking than they are for prep ahead. And handheld is a great prep ahead one or can be kind of is both. I feel like we should talk about super salads next only because salads still seem to be a hard sell for people who are feeding kids and I think that's sort of a tragedy of family cooking or family food media. Like salads can be super satisfying, especially if you stop thinking about salads as just lettuce. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Go beyond lettuce. So we have an episode on how to make salads that kids will actually eat. You know, that's a big promise, guys. We know. But we really dig deep on that one. I really do think that's a really good re-listen to because it can get Sometimes building a salad that your family is going to like, including your kids, really requires a bunch of reframing. And I think that reframing is hard to habituate. (laughs) So going back and listening to that kind of episode again and being like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I did that once that worked. And like, I forgot about it again is a good one. But what we know about salad as a formula that you can rely on every week, every other week as something that really saves you. It's something you really need to know is you have to make it hearty. You have to make it delicious. And it has to include elements that everybody in your family is going to like. So if your family doesn't like leafy greens, stop making salads with, stop making spinach salads. Like we know those baby spinach leaves that are already pre-washed are super convenient, but it doesn't matter. It's just going to go to waste if no one likes baby spinach salads. You know, so what vegetables does your family like? Do they like only cooked vegetables? (laughs) You know, then make a roasted vegetable-based salad. You know, roast a bunch of veggies on that night or if you don't have time the weekend before and chop it all up and then put it in with maybe a grain instead of leafy greens. How to build it really depends on what your family likes. And like I said, we talk about like many different approaches in that salad episode. But I say you definitely want veg. Just think about what veg your family likes. If it wants to be a dinner salad, if you want it to be a dinner salad, it should also have a protein. So tofu or animal protein, something like that. I think adding grains is another way to add heft. I'm feeding three really tall, big guys. They like leafy greens, but leafy greens with chicken is just not going to fill them up. So adding beans or grains is going to make it much heftier and much more filling. Dressing, cheese, added toppings. You keep saying grains, but I want to make sure that great. We also address that grains might not be like bulgur and quinoa, but could also be wild rice or white rice or pasta as part of the filling component here. Like our dinner worthy ramen salad, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Totally. Grains, carb, 
Yes. Okay. And then you said cheese. Did you say cheese? <laughs> I did say cheese. You don't know. You want me to have said cheese. I did say cheese. I say cheese is a question mark. I don't always include it, but I think if you're vegetarian but not vegan, cheese is a really good protein. So cheese might overlap for some people in the protein area. Sometimes I add cheese, sometimes I don't. I also think a key component to really great salads that your family will actually like, and we talk about how to do this in that episode, is making sure you have like a variety of textures. So things that are crunchy, does not have to just be croutons, could be potato chips. It could be those little fried noodles. Like we have this um, sweet and sour nugget salad where you literally like make sweet and sour sauce and put it on nuggets. And it has like orange segments and edamame and those crispy little noodles, or you could do crispy wontons. So crunchy, something creamy, something cold and something warm. It makes like a super satisfying dinner salad. I love it. My kids really like salads. Mine mostly enjoy salads too. I mean, I have to be honest, like my kids would eat a big salad over roasted broccoli. Certainly Isaac. Right? Yeah. Like he would eat salad it's every just night. More like that's interesting. the best way to get him to eat vegetables. <laughs> like period. And then even broccoli, like he hates roasted broccoli. This goes back to think about what veg don't get stuck in a rut that it has to be a leafy green. Isaac does not like broccoli cooked, it turns out. But he'll eat a raw broccoli salad. So I make this raw broccoli salad that has nothing, it has no leafy greens at all, but it is a ton of raw broccoli chopped up with some either cranberry, dried cranberries or dried cherries, some thinly sliced shallot, and then like a miso dressing. And then sometimes I just serve like chicken on the side, but he'll eat that, you know? So when I realized that raw broccoli is the only way he'll eat broccoli, I was like, oh, I need to turn that into a salad. Stacy, I don't know about you, but I've been in a major spring cleaning mode, including purging and organizing my closet. I'm putting away winter sweaters and donating things that don't work for me anymore, but I'm so excited to be pulling out some of my favorite items from Quince to put back into rotation. Totally. I love the pieces that I bought from Quince last year, too. And neither of us should really be surprised. We love Quince for their quality. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Which means I can actually add some pieces back to my closet after my spring clear out. I love the linen pants and top I got last season so much, but my next purchase is one of Quince's gorgeous 100% washable silk skirts. Oh, that's so pretty. And the best part, all Quince items from silk to 14 karat gold are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. That's why I snagged my favorite oversized cashmere boyfriend cardigan from Quince instead of any other brand. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash D-I-J-F-Y for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get free shipping and 365-day returns. We know you're seeing all the Mother's Day gift guides everywhere. And while we usually do some didn't I just feed you version, this year we have the one perfect Mother's Day gift that works for everyone even our last-minute shoppers, mylifeinabook.com. 
MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns the life stories of people you love into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send your gift recipient a question via email. These can be pre-written questions that they provide, or you can customize the questions the way that I did for my mom. Your recipient can either type a response or use their voice-to-text feature. MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm really excited to be creating a book with my own mom this year, and I can't wait to hear some of her childhood memories, what it was really like raising three kids as a single mother, and how she's enjoyed becoming a grandmother, too. And when the book is done, you'll have a beautiful keepsake for her and for you, too. You can even choose to have an audiobook created from the recordings. It's easy to sign up and the process is automated so you don't have to worry about missing a week. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code D-I-J-F-Y for 10% off today. This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with Byheart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is Byheart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like an early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. If we're trying to categorize these formulas, I think of salads as something that is both make ahead friendly because you could like grill a bunch of chicken when you're doing meal prep or make carnitas like you mentioned, or can be very last minute friendly because if you keep things like some greens or back yep. salads on hand or a bunch of lunch lunchbox veg, then you can also use up like that little bit of pasta from the other night and that can of beans that you opened for the aquafaba, the chickpea liquid, and now you need to use them up. Salads are a great way to make use of leftovers yes, too. Love it. Yes. I think salads are a good segue into bowl meals because we had a little bit of a debate when we were trying to figure out like what are the formulas where I was like, is pasta a bowl meal? And it can be, yes. Is salad a bowl meal? It can be also. Even cheap pan meals can sometimes be served in a bowl. But like bowl meals are something else, a little bit more intentional when we're coming to them at the from this formula angle. I think the most ubiquitous is sort of like the rice bowl. So whether you make it into like a chicken burrito rice bowl or uh, more like a sushi, salmon, Asian-inspired bowl. I think people think of rice, which is great. It's a Rice is such a great cook once, eat twice tool, too, because you can make a big batch, do rice bowls, and then have fried rice later in the week. But I think that 
people need to get like mix it up a little bit. There are lots of other grains and other things that can be the base of bowl meals. So like what are some of your favorites? Israeli couscous and quinoa are two big ones and then regular couscous as well. Um, I know technically they're not grains, but they make a great base for a bowl meal, in my opinion. What about you? I was going to say quinoa. We do like different varieties of rice often. And then there's always like, this isn't maybe, I'm not saying that this is my favorite, but I do love bulgur. And then I think people sometimes do veggies as the base of their bowl, like whether it's riced cauliflower or just a bunch of roasted veg, and then they do the carb as something else. Like yeah. Okay, bread. so that's really interesting, and I think that's a legit, and we should talk about it, but that gets into salad to me. Yeah, it's a weird. They're, they're interconnected. Yeah, right? For me, also, again, thinking about having older kids, big appetites, it's really about heft, and I really, really do like rice or quinoa, or couscous, something. It's funny because we're saying pasta is different, but then orzo is the base of yes, a bowl meal. I was going to mention that, and I was like, oh, I think I'm opening up a wormhole into like pasta versus one pot. So it's pastas. kind of like a short grain, hefty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like hefty base. It isn't just grains, which would be like the quinoa and the bulgur. It isn't all pasta because long pasta feels different. But like something that you can just fill a bowl with as a base that's going to soak up the sauce and that you can top in lots of different flexible ways. But wait, I would say like I'm not going to call spaghetti a bowl meal, but I would call like soba or rice noodles a bowl meal because they're short cooking. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. But anyways, it's we're just yeah. trying to, I don't no, think, I think you're right. we have room to debate it here, but it is like, it hits the component of being heft. It's quick cooking. It soaks up sauce. It pairs well with cooked or raw veggies. So I'm glad we, we talked about it a little yes. bit. Okay. So we have this base. Then we usually talk about putting a protein on top tofu, animal protein of any kind. And again, it's kind of like the handheld. It can be leftover meatballs that are sliced. It can be crumbled meat. It can be air fried crumbled tofu, you know, whatever works, pulled meat. For me, it's, I usually, when I think about a bowl meal, I don't know if this is weird. I feel like I think of two veggies. It could be avocado. I do which too. Is technically a fruit, oh, wait. But avocado Cucumber, not just one veg. One veg doesn't seem right for a bowl meal. Can I tell you, wait, one, I want to make sure we talk about beans too. Oh, yes. So yes, remind me to talk about that. Okay. But I have a strong opinion loosely held, which apparently is the theme for I, the later part of Didn't I Just Feed You 2023. I like when a bowl meal has one fresh or raw veggie and one cooked veggie. I get that. Like I, yeah, I love when we do, cucumber, we do like, are like a go-to for me. Right. And those are both for like raw. a rice bowl. But then like, what about if you're making like a chicken burrito bowl? You wouldn't necessarily do cucumber, would you? But you might do no, like frozen do corn and cook it and still have avocado. Uh, yeah. Or like salsa counts as the veg there. Which yeah, I would can do like cooked. pico de gallo. You know, again, this depends on like my bandwidth 
and like what I have on hand. Yes. But like, I wouldn't feel like, oh, see, this is where we have to talk beans. <laughs> I wouldn't feel like my meal was incomplete if it had rice, beans, pulled meat or not. Like it could just be a rice and bean bowl. And then pico de gallo, which is raw, shredded lettuce, which is raw, avocado, which is raw, and then like sour cream. Oh, see, I wouldn't be upset either. But then in the instance of the bowl, in in the instance of this bowl, is the bean one of the veggie components? That's what I was going to say. Is is that like the bean make a difference? Cold black beans. Yeah. So I wonder if it's like if it's about a hard and fast rule about one cooked veg, one raw veg and more going back to what you were saying about the salad having its textures. It's like a salad. We already said there's overlap between salad and bowl meal, right? So you want something warm, something cool. You want crunchy. You want creamy you know, in the sauce or the sour cream. So you're, you, you're applying many of the same principles from salad to bowl meal. 100% yes. Daisy agrees. <laughs> I want to talk about beans before we get too far into wrapping yeah. up. So you briefly mentioned beans. I think beans can be the center point and can be the protein. Like you can make a whole burrito bowl based on beans or like I think of red beans and rice, which sometimes has like a sausage component to it, but doesn't have to. Beans can be the centerpiece of yeah, a bowl. Totally. That's I, all I wanted to say. About I love it. that. Okay. You know, usually my kids find it a little less satisfying, but you know, even if I just like cook the beans and a little bit of bacon or put bacon crumbles on top as the zhuzh thing, as the texture piece, that would be satisfying to them. But I would say that if beans are the base, it, it's usually paired with rice or some grain for me. Oh, yeah. I don't mean the base. I mean, they're like the proteiny part of yes. it. I wouldn't necessarily say like, oh, we're having a chickpea bowl tonight, but we might have like, chickpeas and quinoa. quinoa. Okay. So we're talking about the grain slash base. We're talking about a protein. Beans can be the protein or bean can be in addition to the protein. We talked about two veg, a dressing or a sauce. And then it's the same as salad, the zhuzh thing, the je ne sais quoi, the texture, the special toasted breadcrumbs, crispy shallots, toasted sesame seeds, you know, like the toppings. I want to quickly mention some didn't I just feed you yes. favorite bowl meals. We have a salmon rice bowl recipe from Stacy's book, Make It Easy, which I think has cucumber and avocado. I hope it does because that would make it so perfect that you're like, that's all it needs. We also have the this like barbecue bowl, which uses pulled chicken and barbecue and it has like sweet potatoes in it. And I think there's like cornbread croutons, if I'm remembering correctly. That is so good. And then uh, we have a classic chicken burrito bowl in our recipe archives, which is really good. And I think that like the rice bowl and the burrito bowl are the two I go to the most. The salmon rice bowl is one of Isaac's favorite things that I make, period. Hands down. I love that. Okay. Cheap hand meals. Ooh, cheap hand meals. Cheap hand meals. (laughs) 
Listen, I feel like we're going to hit a lot of the same things, right? Sheep hand meals are a protein and a veg, and we both strongly believe that you need a sauce or something, a dressing, a bunch of fresh herbs to bring it all together. The problem, like sheep hand meals are very useful. The problem is that if you just like cook everything all together at one time, you might end up with like overcooked veg, undercooked protein, and it not really feeling like a cohesive meal. So this is one where if I was going to encourage you to go listen to any meal right away after listening to this, if you're interested in sheep hand meals, is to go listen to our episode about how to make sheep hand meals that you actually want to eat. But we do have some top line tips in th- terms of thinking about these as a formula from a formula standpoint. Totally. So, I mean, I think you gave the biggest tip is to normalize cooking time. And that episode's going to go into it more deeply. But you, like very, very broadly speaking, want to cut things into sizes so that everything on the sheet pan is going to cook at the same rate. Or you can start some things early. You know, you don't have to pile every single thing on at once, put it in the oven and take it all out at the same time. You can pull some things off earlier than other things. Maybe you take off the chicken while the that potato is still roasting because it's not quite done, but you were using thin cut chicken cutlets. And so they're done really quick. So thinking about timing is important. Something else that we talk about at length in that other episode is seasoning. Because one of my pet peeves about sheep and meals is that they're like, here's all this stuff and then season everything exactly the same way. And so like everything comes out like, blah, like one note. So You can season the chicken one way and then season your veg slightly differently. And if you have things on the sheet that are going to release a lot of liquid and you think that it's going to interfere with cooking time and also the flavors might bleed, then use aluminum foil to separate things. You know, maybe put the potatoes that are seasoned with garlic, olive oil, salt and pepper on a little piece of aluminum foil that you kind of give make a little wall and then put the chicken that you're seasoning with a little bit of chili crisping yogurt on the other side, you know, and the potatoes are on the aluminum foil. So the flavors shall not meet. That way you get some dimension to your cooking on your sheet pan because that's my biggest pet peeve when everything comes out and it's like, wow, everything just tastes like garlic. Yes. And this is where a sauce can be helpful or a little bit of like a finishing component, like squeezing some fresh lemon juice over the salmon, but like not the veggies and then doing like a bunch of herbs on the veggies right when they come out. I think also this is the place to think about like not just making things the same size for cooking, but think about using like quicker cooking vegetables like green beans and asparagus if you're going to do things like chicken cutlets that cook very quickly or pairing like a pork tenderloin with sweet potatoes because sweet potatoes take longer to cook and pork tenderloin takes longer to cook. What else do we want to say about sheep pan meals? I was thinking about how we have a sheet pan meal that is like, I, so I, it's not like the chicken and veggies or like pork and veggies. It is sausage and cabbage with this like creamy mustard sauce. And for some reason that unlocked for me, like how many other proteins you can put on a sheet pan 
and make delicious dinners that are not just like chicken oh, and yeah. You can do steak. You can do sausage. You can do tofu, you know, crispy, crisping tofu in the oven is really fun and easy. I actually don't do chicken on my sheet pan dinners very much, <laughs> which is funny. I do mostly sausage and steak. Yeah, except for our sheet pan chicken fajitas, which I know if we both rely on a lot. I know that you do that. And like, isn't your chicken shawarma from chi- Winter Winter Chicken Dinner that also is a sheet, that pan is a sheet pan meal? But it's, well, I mean, it is sort of. You do, you put onions and tomatoes on there. I would say that that doesn't feel like a complete sheet pan meal to me because I probably make a salad also, which is a funny thing that I'm revealing because that probably still fits the category sheet pan meal for a lot of people. But when I'm making a sheet pan meal, I feel like I'm like, that's the veg. Like I'm not making anything else. Yes. But we did talk about in that episode how like you don't mind for some sheet pan meals doing a finishing component like on the stovetop. Talk about Eric Kim's bibimbap often, which is like rice and there's eggs and veg that go on it. And you've shared like, oh, sometimes you'll also cook some ground beef just to make it like a little bit more satisfying for your family. So I think it's okay, Like and we go into great lengths in this episode. So I don't know why I'm belaboring it. Like, go listen to that. We talk about where we might supplement, whether it's a bagged salad or rice from the freezer or cooking additional ground beef. Are there any other recipes you want to mention as being sheet pan favorites? Yeah, because it's a classic, didn't I just feed you type recipe. We have a DIY shake and bake sheet pan dinner recipe. And what I love about it is it's exactly that. It's nostalgic. It's easy. It's the kind of thing everybody likes. You're taking your protein and you're flavoring it separately than the veg on the sheet pan as well. So you get some like nice flavor dimension. It's not like everything is tossed with the same olive oil, garlic, salt, and pepper. And when you pull the sheet pan out of the oven, there's dinner. You got your broccoli. You got your <laughs> your protein. It's a beautiful yes. thing. Last, but certainly not least, is one pot pasta. Ooh, yeah. If you listen to our recent quick weeknight pasta episode, you know that Stacy does not necessarily love a one pot pasta. But what's really great about it is there is like an a legit formula. Instead of us being like, oh, you need like protein, whatever, rice. We're talking about cooking pasta in a single pot, not boiling additional water. So here's the thing that it, you need to know. It is a one to two ratio. So for every four ounces of pasta, which is about one serving for one person, I say about because I'm sure that Stacy's boys can eat more than that. But for every four ounces of dry pasta, you want eight ounces of liquid. If you're cooking a whole pound of pasta, you're going to feed a family of four with some leftovers, maybe if it's my family, but maybe not if it's Stacy's family. One pound of pasta needs 32 ounces of liquid. And we're saying liquid because that could be one jar of Rayo's pasta and then a second jar of water to make 32 ounces. It could be a small jar of tomato sauce and some milk and some water if you're going to make kind of like a cheesy beef and shells kind of thing. It could also just be water. 
It could be water and some like really nice bone broth if you're trying to get a little bit more nutrition in, or it could be like a veggie broth or a pureed veggie broth to add a little bit more nutrition and heft to it. So pasta and liquid is like the start of it, but then you can have a lot of fun with it. Like adding protein here. I do think it's important to focus on quick cooking proteins, whether that's like ground beef or pork that you're cooking before you put the dry pasta in and put the liquid in or things like cut up chicken breasts that will cook really quickly if you add them to the boiling liquid in pasta or shrimp. Like we will do shrimp pasta and throw the shrimp in in the last couple of minutes of cooking. There's tons of ways to add veg to this as well. One, a recipe that I really love is like a Philly cheesesteak kind of pasta that includes onions and peppers. We will do broccoli a lot. Honestly, sometimes I count the tomato if it's like tomato sauce as one of the veggies. And then you can have so much fun with herbs and spices. Recently, we did sausage as the Um, protein and I did peppers and onions. And then we added Creole seasoning and added a little bit of heavy cream to the cooking liquid. So it was like this creamy Creole one pot pasta. That sounds delish. Did you saute the sausage first? I did. So because I love like it was kielbasa sausage and I love when it gets browned. There's something Mm -hmm. about that that's like nostalgic for me. So I browned it first and then actually pulled it out so it didn't get softened by the cooking liquid and then cooked everything else, including the peppers and onions, and then added the sausage in right at the end. So it still had like the crispiness from browning it. Totally. Which is like a next level, like the next level technique of doing this. We have a couple of one pot pasta recipes in our recipe archive, including like a skill, something that we call a skillet ravioli lasagna, where you're taking like fresh ravioli and cooking it as a one pot meal. We also have this like, I think it's called one pot cheesy sausage and rice because it was from our partnership with Bonza where we were using their chickpea rice product. You could totally do the exact same thing with orzo. Yes, totally. I also feel compelled to mention here that there are some variations not following the exact same formula, but some variations where you could do something similar and cook rice, like a cheesy broccoli and rice. Totally. I think I might have a, I'm like, do we have a recipe for that? That feels so familiar to me. And it's a little more involved, but arroz con pollo is a great example of that. Yes. I'm trying to think if there are any others that are sort of like that. I think that they're like, you could do couscous in a similar way. Again, that's not like, that is pasta, but you could cook all of the components like some chicken thigh, cut up chicken thighs. Maybe you're doing like tomatoes and olives in there and adding like some olive oil and lemon to finish it up. So here what we're actually getting to, what you're slowly drifting into is one pot dinners as a formula. Yes. And we actually purposely left this out one pot pastas to make this like as simple and pared down as possible. But I do think it's really important to just like acknowledge that one pot dinners, if you feel ready to take that on, is great too and opens up 
It's a little harder to break down into an exact formula because whether you use rice or couscous, there's going to be different liquids. There might be some variation in steps, like when you brown the meat and when you add the meat. Whereas the one pot pasta was just really easy to break down into a formula. And it's something that we think is really useful to master. And, you know, you started by saying that I'm not as into one pot pastas. It's true that I don't cook them as a matter of course as much. But ever since that episode, I have been way more into them as a busy family cook. Like I, I've like, the value of it was always there for me as something I would talk about to other people, but like didn't click, you know, sometimes it just doesn't click for you, like, and how you identify as a cook personally. And so once I got how the value translates to me and my life and how my family eats, it like clicked and I got it. I think all of this circles up to our original thesis statement when we were like, hey, we're going to talk to you about these formulas so that your life as a busy home cook can be a little bit easier. I think that's exactly what this idea of like the one pot dinner formula does. Like maybe your family Mm -hmm. doesn't do pasta regularly, but now you know that you can do a one pot meal that includes rice or quinoa. And so you'll go looking for that style of recipe. And then once you cook that style of recipe two or three times, you're going to be like, oh, I get this now. And I can pull this off without having oh, no. to have a recipe, which is something that we both shared that we do at the beginning of the episode. This is one where I, I'm like, I want to hear, did we, like, are there other formulas that we haven't thought about that our brilliant listeners community might share with us? Because they're sometimes they will. the better teachers than we are experts. <laughs> Yeah, almost always, right? Almost always. So guys, if you're listening, but you're not a part of our free community, sign up today. It is so easy to do. You just go to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. You'll see all the options there, including the options for joining our supporting community, which is super cool because it's a great way to support Didn't I Just Feed You and all the many, many episodes that we publish every month. You can get an ad-free stream. You can get bonus episodes. There's all kinds of goodies. But remember that you don't you don't have to do that. Like if that's not in the cards, if you don't feel ready for that, if it just doesn't feel right, we always welcome everybody in our free community. And we do post a lot of stuff there. And also like we're just there. And like these hundreds of hundreds of other people are there and they're going to tell us what we missed today so that you have even more formulas for your back pocket. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You. A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.